this question really isn't about marriage and divorce. You're asking me questions about religion and religion is going to get you every time. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are your friends of mine, Karen. Good morning. And Tracy. Good morning. Amy will not be with us today. <laughs> She's traveling. Um, <laughs> what's so funny about that, Karen? Oh, no, I was just... Tracy sounded like he was asking a question. Good morning. Good morning. Is it good? Is it not good? <laughs> is it the sun is out. T- the jury's out on that one. <laughs> you never know. It's still early, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, but Amy's not with us. She's traveling, uh, presumably traveling for holiday reasons. We're, well, we're recording just the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so she may be traveling for those purposes. But uh, if she ran away from home, she announced it. So she did it wrong. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know more than that. <laughs> right, right. Well, I just saw her yesterday. She seemed happy. I don't think she's. I don't think she's running away from home. I don't know. We could ask her husband and find out what's going on with that. But <laughs> of course, it is you know holiday time, and maybe holiday time is a good time to run away from home because then you don't have to have to deal cook. With, well, cook and <laughs> deal with grumpy family members. And <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. My 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 family life is all is all pretty good. I don't mind the cooking part, but I don't do it that often. So anyway, wow, that's got nothing to do with anything here. Um, but you know, on, a, on, a, on actual something that is related to the podcast, uh, we have Facebook back again. That's something I may have announced that towards the end of the towards the end of the the podcast last last week. But we actually, I finally was able to get it back. I was able to get Facebook to interact with me and you know, kick out whoever had gotten into, into my personal Facebook and, and get their passwords out and get my pass new passwords in. And, Oh, what a, what an endeavor that was. But so, and you had to go to the lab, right? To the lab. Yeah. To get your blood drawn. Isn't that what <laughs> they almost needed? Almost. I don't know. I've, I've, I finally was able to upload. I just had to upload a, a copy of my ID so they could see that I really am me. And I'm trying to get into my, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was weird. I, you know, I was seeing things from somebody from was Oregon or so, I don't even I don't even know, and I don't know why they would want it because there's nothing in my Facebook page of value to anybody that I can imagine because I don't keep anything financial there. I don't put a lot of personal stuff there. Mostly, I post jokes and and uh, things along those lines, and you know, there's some photos and stuff. But anyway, so that you know made it so I can finally get back into the podcast page and so i'll be i'll be (laughs) easing my way back into managing that again because that was that was a bit of work not a lot but uh, you know it's just i got out of the habit of social media which actually was quite the blessing i was almost a little disappointed when they let me back in (laughs) but i found that it's easier for me to just put the phone down now i don't find myself drawn to it quite the way i used to be and and it's a whole lot easier for me to go you know what this is a waste of time and i can set it down but in the meantime I get to reach out to our listeners and they can, they can catch us there. So anyway, I guess, yay. Kind of, kind of good. So anyway, let's, let's get into what we came here for. We are today going to be talking about largely Matthew 19 and 20, which will also have us uh, navigating through Mark 10 a little bit. 
Mark 19 and 20, or Matthew 19 and 20. Um, if you recall, we've been talking about Jesus is heading back towards Jerusalem. We're starting to get towards the end of the story. I say that we're going to be here still for several weeks, but uh, the Gospels are nowhere near being done for us. But the the story, as we've been seeing, is Jesus, you know, traveling all over the Holy Land and and uh, interacting with people and healing people here and there. And you know, we're just we're starting to get into some of the nitty gritty stuff. And the the passage today starts with a. I don't know how I want to describe it. It's not really, I shouldn't say volatile, but it is a, it's a big discussion that, um, you know, a lot of people want to come to this passage for particular reasons. And well, I'll just come right out. It's, it's a passage on marriage and divorce. And we see a lot of people coming here specifically talking about the biblical reasons for divorce. And we'll talk about that. But as we get going, we're going to see that there was way more to this that Jesus is pointing out than what is just on the surface. And so as we step into the story, then Jesus is headed to Judea. And as usual, he's being followed by multitudes of people and he's healing. And that was just what he did all the time. Uh, But then the Pharisees come to him to test him once again with a question. And it's uh, it's a oddly it's kind of an oddly worded question, but when we get into it, we'll understand why it's worded that way. The question it's is like a double-edged sword. It's like a it's like a test, but yet a trap. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the way they word it, at least in the New King James, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? So we can stop right there. And usually, people I think do stop right there because their question is. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And they'll stop. And, you know, we'll look at that these days. It basically will be like, is there, is there a precedent for divorce in the Bible? And, uh, you know, I mean, yes, there is. That's, I mean, that's, that's the basic answer here is yes, there is. I, I don't have any, uh, experience with it. So, um, you know, I, there's any number of reasons that people get divorced these days. I mean, you know, my son, my youngest son was telling me, dad, did you know that over 50% of marriages ended in divorce today? I'm like, yeah, that's nothing new, son. That's, uh, that's, uh, unfortunately that's kind of a common, it's kind of common these days. And, um, even within the church, I think the divorce rate is no different than for people outside of the church. You know, and and so we could stop with we could stop with the question right there, and you know, is it lawful for uh, us to to have divorce? And what we what so we, can I interject something? Of course. You were talking about precedent. Yeah. Um, he doesn't ask that though. So right. pre- precedent is kind of a modern. You guys have heard of common law. Mm-hmm. That's where precedent comes in. So you start off with the law that's on the books. And then as societies change, which they do over time, the idea behind common law is what makes sense to the common man. That's the whole idea. And what makes sense to the common man changes by society, by era, by culture, not necessarily by subculture. That's a little small, right? But by culture, big culture. And so... The law on the books becomes adaptable by precedent. So there's a saying among lawyers, if the facts are against you, you argue the law. 
If the law is against you, you argue the facts. If they're both against you, you yell like hell. That's, I mean, that's like the whole joke. But that's the, that's the idea. If the law is against you, but you feel like your facts are extenuating enough to make sense to the common mind, then you argue the facts. And so that is how common law changes. And it changes, like what you were saying, by precedent. So I kind of agree with what you're saying, but I also the law of God is not like that. Right. Humans are like that. Yeah. But I don't think God's law is like that. Right. Well, and that's the point that we'll get to here on this eventually. Uh, unfortunately, though, a lot of a lot of times Christians are, are like, is there, you know, do I have an out? Do I have, you know, can I biblically get divorced? You know, and the simple answer is, yeah, there is there is a biblical, if I don't want to use the word precedent, what word should I use? Um, grounds. There we go. Is there Are there biblical grounds for divorce? And when you get into what is actually being asked here, it's not, can you have a divorce? What they ask is, can you get a divorce for just any reason, like any reason at all? And the right. reason behind that, as I was as I was studying in some of the notes here, is that the Pharisees themselves, you know, we've talked about the difference between Pharisees and Sadducees and some of their things. Well, here the Pharisees have ha, have a divide on this between a group called uh, the Shammaiites, Shama, I know I'm butchering that one, and the Hillelites. And they would both read uh, Deuteronomy 24.1 in different ways. And so I thought for, for the sake of this, it might be interesting to go back and see just what was that what that was. Well, we already did Deuteronomy. Are you saying you don't remember? No, I do remember. But for the sake of our audience, <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to. Uh, that was like two, two years ago. <laughs> I struggled really, what I did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. But so when you go back to Deuteronomy twenty four one, this is this is where their this is where their um their debate comes from. Deuteronomy twenty four one says, "When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that he finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, etc., etc., etc." So we don't have to get all of these things, but there is. There was one part of that verse that these guys would debate about, and it would be where you put the emphasis in in the um, in the sentence. The Shamalites, Shamaites, <laughs> they would say, if you find some uncleanness in her, then you can divorce her. The Hillites would be, if you find something unclean about her or depending on your 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 um translation it might be indecent but if you find something indecent or if you find something indecent and so when the pharisees are coming to him they're not even really asking is it legal to divorce your wife they're looking for him to take sides in this debate of can i just divorce my wife for any reason at all and, uh, you know, they're they're trying to get Jesus to take the bait. And as usual, he doesn't uh, because we'll, he, he gets down to a more nitty gritty, uh, nitty gritty. But he gets down to an even more basic aspect of it than this, um, because he goes back and he he's so good at this. But he would go back and he starts quoting things from Genesis. But basically, he's like, haven't you read that God made you male and female? And haven't you read that uh, 
uh, how do you do? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I'm I'm looking at I'm here looking at my Bible. It's like why can't I see it? Because I'm still stuck in Deuteronomy. That's why. Let me get back to Matthew. But um, haven't you read that Mark? he made them male Wait, and female? We, I thought we were Mark. Well, it's Matthew and Mark. They both okay. talk about it. They both talk about it. But haven't you read that he made them male and female? And for this reason, a man leaves his wife or his father and mother and be, is joined to his wife and they become one flesh. So Jesus takes it back to even more basic than what they're what they're looking at. They're trying to look at it from this very religious aspect of it, of of looking for loopholes, looking for reasons, looking for ways. And they're so stuck up on the loophole that they've missed the 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 principle to begin with, which was supposed to be, look, this is the way God made you. This is what was set up. And then he says, so what God put together, don't let Ben take apart. So, I mean, he's coming right out and going, you know what? Marriage is even more, it's, it's not to be taken lightly. Um, it's, it wasn't intended. It wasn't intended to be separated at all. And then the Pharisees come back. Well, then why did Moses give us a law? They say, why did Moses command us to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? And you see, the whole the whole thing here is they're they keep looking for loopholes. It's like it's like they keep looking at the minimum. What's the minimum requirement that I have to do? What you know? What level do I have to achieve to be meeting you know meeting the mark? Are, are you guys seeing where I'm going with that? I can kind of see it too, as far as. But this has been their pattern, though. They're always looking for that that loophole, mm-hmm. and I don't think there is any loophole. I guess in the mission, in the plan of salvation, there is no loophole. Right. It's just it's just straight up. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Mm-hmm. I think the tricky part about this is that. This relationship involves two fallen humans rather than one fallen human mm-hmm. and a perfect God. Mm-hmm. So, and that's basic to me. That's what I hear when he says, because your hearts were hard. Yep. So this is, I think, I think we all can, without me sounding like a, a, a raging feminist, I think we can all agree that this was a fairly patriarchal society. The men had the rights. Mm-hmm. There's no rights written in for the woman to write her husband a letter of divorce if she finds something indecent about him, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So she is on the receiving end. There's a human relationship between two flawed people, but only one of those flawed people has the right to sever the relationship based on their perspective. That leaves the other person at risk. And mm-hmm. so if if, for example, Moses had not allowed them to divorce, what you would have had was men taking a second wife or the wife would have no ability to leave. The man would be displeased, but he would have no way to get rid of her. And it would have been a pretty ugly situation. Mm-hmm. So I, that's kind of how I read that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh... Yeah, you make a good point there because this is all it is all one sided. Everything that we read here is 
at the man's perspective. Now, I was reading that there was a little bit there. There was some it was it was not much, but there was some leeway for a woman to be able to go and say, I need out of this. It was rare. Um, you know, she had to go to a judge and, and all these things. Um, it, it could you, happen. You still have to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but like you said, it was generally if the man find if the man says there's something wrong here, he could do it. And then that's what the Pharisees are coming. They're coming and saying, Well, can a man just decide that he doesn't like his wife anymore and get a divorce? And so there was that debate, you know, for any reason at all, or if there was something specifically you know, if there was some specific reason where it was, where it was allowed. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so, you know, that's where Jesus is coming back and going, you guys, once again, you're looking at this all wrong because this isn't supposed to be, on, wasn't supposed to be on the table. It wasn't no. supposed to be, you know, cause there's all these things that we can look at in this concept of marriage and divorce. And, you know, when we get into here, why Jesus said, you know, the reasons that Jesus says you can, which the only reason that he gives is sexual immorality. That says that's the only that's the only one. And we can look into that when we consider marriage as that symbol of the relationship with, between God and the church, you know, and God is the groom. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. You know, if sexual immorality comes into play, then covenant is broken. The The relationship is 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 broken. And, and after that, it's extraordinarily hard to um, reconcile. I have heard of it happening. It is so incredibly rare, I think, when that if it if that has been the reasons behind a marriage falling apart that the reconciliation is is it happens. And so that's that would be the reason that I can see why Jesus would say this is when you you can do that. But his point remains that wasn't ever supposed to be the point of marriage at all. It was right. always supposed to be this is a joining together and and it stops being two people and now it's one marriage so <clears throat> sexual misbehavior outside of marital bounds is supposed to be a great offense of intimacy now mm -hmm. satan with human cooperation has created a marvelous shallow society where that is not the case, where sexual misbehavior can occur just about any time, anywhere, with very little, very little, you know, feeling of wrong in the people doing it. So it's become, it's become so pervasive. If you think about, you know, what's in our, what's in our music, what's in our movies, what's in our TV shows, you know, all of our entertainment, what's in the magazines that we read, and. I remember a few years ago, there was a Victoria's Secret model who was a devout Catholic, and she was one of the top models in the world, and she was a virgin. And she was, um, she was engaged. She had been engaged for quite a while and was going to continue to be engaged. She wasn't marrying the man for a while. And uh, it was a men's magazine. I think it was GQ did an interview with her, and they were so baffled why her boyfriend would be with her when she wasn't putting out, right? So there's this pervasive assumption that emotional intimacy is the thing that comes last and physical intimacy, well, that's common ground. We all do that first. 
And that has turned God's idea of what relationship is supposed to be, or even how to form one of those relationships, completely on its head. And that's just a female perspective, but you guys can like toss your your two cents in there too. I'd be interested in your feedback. But I do think the devil's done a good job of flipping around to where what's supposed to be the final frontier of intimacy has become a very early on. Like in the secular world, uh, date three is now assumed to be the sex date. So if you're not having sex by then, you might as well just break up because you're not going to you're not going to be together. Wow. I'm glad I'm not in the dating world anymore. That would... You should be. I, it's I, not I, great. Oh, <laughs> for a second there, I thought you said I should be. It's like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it, intimacy, it means nothing anymore to so many. And and we, we're so quick to jump that way to the point where, you know, what what is a marriage relationship then after that? I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not I, marriage isn't completely based on sex, but, you know, that it that intimacy is supposed to be. Uh, you know, and I, I, I guess you guys could probably talk about it more, but biologically, I think it really still is a very. Oh gosh, it does something to you. I mean, I've I've heard studies about the chemical reactions, and specifically in women's brains, guys seem to be a little more wired for spreading their seed, where women are a little more wired for protecting it. Um, but all all the same, it's it's supposed to be us as men then stepping in as protectors. Uh, and providers and, uh, you know, may, we would change our aspects of thinking a bit towards the family unit then. And then, well, I guess I can't really speak from the women's perspective of how how that change goes. But we, we've minimalized intimacy to the point where we've kind of forgotten what it means to be intimate. It's, it's just so casual anymore that um, it's discarded. And I mean, I can't even imagine a third date being a, being that it's just, I don't know. That's me as an old man talking, but uh, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just bizarre. It's just a little, yeah, I don't know me. how to juggle it. I mean, there's a reason I'm not dating. <laughs> you know, it's I, not because I don't want a boyfriend, right? It's because I don't know how to juggle all of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think that's just too. And I think we were talking about it in, in um, yesterday is that, I think that's where our world has gone. Just like Karen's pointing out right now is that we're all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't know how to, how to take that. We don't know how to view that. We've, we've allowed that much, I guess, degradation into our society to creep into marriage where that was one of the foundational things that God had set up. Mm -hmm. Well, to the point where even these days, less and less people are getting married, less and less people are having children. And, you know, I mean, there, there is there is some Christian push now that I don't 100 percent understand, but like a Christian push for for people to get married and have children. And I don't personally quite understand all of that because, you know, our planet is kind of getting overpopulated. We're already having, you know, struggle for re resources and whatnot and, all, you know, these things. But. I do agree with the the idea of if you're going well, I, you know, we'll get to this. But if 
if you're going to be married and committed, then you need to be committed, you know? And, and that, that's really the point that Jesus is putting out here is that these guys are looking at it all from the wrong perspective. And what we see is that it's really not, it's really not so much about a discussion about divorce. It's really a discussion of how do you view relationships in general? How do you view your role on the planet? It was never intended to be something that you needed to get out of. And so, you know, when he does come back and goes, yeah, okay, there is a reason, which would be sexual immorality, because now you've broken the covenant. It's going to be really hard for you to get back to this. But like he says, it was never intended to be that way. And, you know, he does, he, I, there's something else about Jesus here that I like because he keeps answering the question and basically the way they asked it, because they're asking, can a man divorce his wife? Now we've taken this in our era and, you know, we take that both ways, but he keeps looking at it. Can a man divorce his wife? And then, okay, if there's a sexual immorality, then yes, you can divorce her. But now if some other man tries to marry her, and of course this is if she has committed sexual immorality, if a man marries her, now he is committing adultery. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, it's something with fingers that spread out and, um, you know, he, 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 Jesus addresses the very direct aspect of it, but keeps trying to come at it from the underlying of the underlying, this isn't what was meant to be or to begin with. And I have mission wrote on my notes and okay. I, I put mission down is that because while we keep thinking out about marriage and that's how God is answering. I think it goes back to what Karen was saying is that too, there's also that there's God and I guess man in here. And I'm using man loosely as like mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two sinful people in marriage. And I think it's when we kind of look at it and Christ always describes himself as, you know, the bride, the groom, how he interacts with the church. And I think if we look at that, then it's saying, yeah, you know what? There, there is a bounds for divorce, but that's not always it. It's mm-hmm. can you forgive that person and move on? It's, mm-hmm. it's not saying it's going to be easy. But my mission here is to say that I am willing to forgive you. you. The world is supposed to be my bride and you've gone astray this far. I can forgive you. Mm-hmm. But are they seeing that? I don't think they're seeing that. I don't think sometimes I don't think we see that, you know, and and two, you know, I've and it's been a long while, but I was posed with that question. And it's like I had to go back and I had to really look at it and say, yeah, there is a way for you out. There is that loophole that they wanted to to expose and say, oh, yeah, you know what? If somebody has infidelity, you can totally leave them. It's your right. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. if you feel you can't forgive them. Right. Hey, it's not going to be easy. The road's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But can you forgive them? Because you know what? I've forgiven you guys. I've forgiven the world. I'm getting ready in my mission to to forgive you for the ultimate. Can you forgive them? Well, and I think that's that's one of the biggest lessons of of human marriage, which is, and yeah, I think Tracy, you're completely right. That's why divorce is not supposed to be an option. Like think about um, when God really wanted to draw an illustration of how He felt about 
his chosen people, Israel, and how those people were treating him, what did he have his prophet do? Do you guys remember Hosea? Didn't he, he, didn't he marry his, um, Gomer? Yeah, he told yeah. his prophet to go and marry a prostitute and stay yeah. married to her no matter how she acted and mm-hmm. live out this marriage in front of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. So he went and married her and she left Had him. Had children with her? Huh? Had children with her? Yeah. And she kept leaving and yeah. going back to her, to other men, to her previous line of work. And every time she would leave, he would go after her and he would bring her home. Which I think is is that's a story that always rings with me because in the end, he he's kind of gone on with his life, and he's sitting there and he's seeing say um, slaves being sold, and he finds her and she's no longer men no longer want her. Right. She looks terrible. She's up on a stage. She's being sold as a as a slave, and he goes to the person and goes, you know what? That's my wife. I'm going to take her. And that person responds back, you're not going to take her unless you pay for her. And this is the price. Right. And he pays it. And he takes home, takes her back home, and there's restoration. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an ugly story, and it's a beautiful story. Yes. It's an ugly story because it so clearly demonstrates how Israel was acting towards God and how we act towards each other and towards God. But, it, like, I think... I can I think I can speak for a lot of women when I say if if a man loved a woman like that there's nothing she wouldn't do for him. Like she would not keep leaving. But both parties are broken. You know, when she's broken, she has a tendency to act certain ways. When he's broken, he has a tendency to act in certain ways. So Satan goes about doing as much damage as he can. So that we don't experience true intimacy here on earth. Because if we're not used to true intimacy, we're not going to reach for it with our Father God either. I mean, marriage is far-reaching. Anyway, now that we're completely in the weeds from the point of this. but <laughs> well, No, but I think that's why I, I have the circle on my on my notes. Is like It is. It's, it's a circle, once again, that it has deeper meaning than what the Pharisees are trying to use yes. it for. Yes. Right. Yes. And God yes. is saying, see, once again, you've... You went into the scriptures thinking that's where you're going to find salvation, but you don't know the scriptures. Instead, yeah. you found Jesus. You haven't taken him into your heart and looking looked at the big picture, which I yeah. think is is hard, you know, for humankind to do. We don't we can't see the big big picture, and in our finite mind, we only see that small picture. and And God was here to say, "There's a bigger picture." Yeah, and that's you know that's where. Jesus, I think, is trying, he's trying to get a point across, and we see it now. I don't think they were quite seeing it then, but but it's, you know, this isn't about, this question really isn't about marriage and divorce. You're asking me questions about religion, and religion is going to get you every time. If that's the deepest you look at this, if all you look at this is, what do I have to do? You're going to miss the point every single time. Yeah. And am, am I able, you know... Do I have to do X? Well, you know, you know what? Uh, do you think that X is going to get you to heaven? You know, because no, X is not going to get you to heaven. It's what is your relationship? How is your just your general view? 
It's about living right now. We always want to, gosh, we always want to put it towards how do I, how do I attain the thing, you know? And it's, it's, it's not about attaining the thing. It's about living within the thing right now. And so, so if we put it into this context of marriage, it's like, don't look at marriage like that at all to begin with. This is, it's a relationship that is intended to continue. It's not something to go, hmm, is there a reason that I can get out of it? I, um, I resonated a lot with what you said just now. In my clientele over the last, you know, few years, one of the things that I commonly see is this tendency to do exactly what you were saying. We're trying to attain a thing. We don't know how to be in the thing that we have. We know how to work for the thing that we want. So it's like somehow humans have been reduced, and I do say reduced because we're supposed to be better than this, reduced to a continual state of want and and an equation of want with need. And so we end up living in a perpetual state of trying to attain rather than working with what we already have. It's not a healthy mindset and... It leads to all kinds of weird interpersonal issues, which is where I make my living. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Karen is saying she benefits off of the the uh, the downfall of mankind. That's what I heard. <laughs> <of that. laughs> I've got a friend. This is so off off topic, but I've got a friend who um he he makes headstones for a living. So I'm like, so you benefit off of the death of human beings? Okay. Somebody needs to do that kind of work. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. But so it's very clear that even though Jesus is saying this, that people aren't quite, quite getting it. I think probably by the time this was written down, I would say Matthew and Mark probably had some understanding of it. But at the time when you, when you, when you get into, you follow the conversation, you can see that they weren't quite getting it because the disciples come to Jesus and they go, well, if this is the case, then it's just better for us to not get married. <laughs> and Paul said, yeah, that's what I keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's sort of, that to, to a degree here, Jesus ends up saying that too. But, um, but yeah, it's just better for us to not get married. You know, if we're going to have to get into a marriage and be stuck and be miserable, you know, <laughs> Then, then maybe we shouldn't get married. And what a glorious, ad- what a glorious attitude that I is. I know, I know. <sighs> and I'm reading that, and there's a part of me goes, well, yeah, you know, you guys might have a point here because if that is your attitude towards marriage, then you shouldn't get married. You know, if 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 uh, if you are afraid of being stuck into something that's going to make you unhappy, then by all means, do not get married. You know. Um, so yeah, they kind of have a point. If you can't commit, then it's better not to drag someone else down into a mess with you. Uh, but it's also kind of a cop out because if you do, if you say do it just to avoid the conflict and then you have, you deny yourself any chance of greatness and happiness. And, uh, so it, you know, it's, I don't know, there's a part of me that finds a little humor in their, their response, um, but maybe they are sort of getting the point. But then when you read Matthew, Jesus puts a little, he puts a, I don't know, a little twist in it here. And it's only in Matthew. It's not in Mark. Because when you read the part about divorce, that's also found in Mark. But in Matthew, he continues on. He starts to talk about celibacy. And to my knowledge, this is the only place where celibacy is really brought up 
in the Bible, but basically he's like, you know what? They, they say maybe it's better for us to not get married. And Jesus goes, you know what? Not everybody can accept this, but if you can, then you should. He says, um, uh, it's interesting the way he writes it here or the way it's written here, but um, uh, he says, there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. And so it really is, you know what? You've got to figure out your life. Right. And then you've got to live according to what the parameters of your life are. Of course, within the laws of God. But like this thing here, this is a thing that isn't going to apply to everybody. Yeah. What did you just say? According to the laws of God? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's caught right in there. He who is able to accept it, that is huge. Mm -hmm. If you're able to accept it and wholeheartedly accept it, because I don't think there's, you can't, you can't teeter totter on that one. There is Mm -hmm. no gray zone to that. Yeah. And you can accept it, let him accept it. But it's totally up to you to do it. But if you're going to do it, do it wholeheartedly. I don't think there you can't waver on that. Yeah, and you know this is this is one aspect. It's like, yeah, okay, if you decide you can't get married, because of of course, then it was very frowned upon to have sex outside of marriage. So if if this is your decision, you know, if you can accept this and you can live this way, then by all means, do it. Some people choose this, and uh, you know. So, so if, if you could do it, then yeah, that's the way it should be. And like Karen was saying, Paul is like, yeah, it's better not to get married, you know, but that's, you know, there's, well, he says, he says um, it is, it is better to get married than to burn with lust. But he also yeah. says, I wish that you all could be like I am uh-huh. and yeah. not, you know, just not have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we are human beings and we have desires and we have dr- things that drive us and, um, you know, some of us are driven differently. And, uh, and, uh, so, you know, then that's where the marriage can come into play. But you see how this whole thing, it's, it's, it, Jesus is trying to point out, it's not just about marriage. It's not just about this rule. It's not about this thing. It is about you and your life and, and interacting with others. And it, it is interesting because, you know, you know, we, God's law is pretty absolute, you know, but there's still like some wiggle room for you to figure things out for yourself and what you got to do. And so when, you know, he's talking about something like celibacy, you know, that's a very personal decision. If it's something you're choosing, like he said, some people don't choose it. Some people have to live it that way. But if, if that is something for your life, then by all means, you should do it. You can't try to push that on somebody else. You shouldn't try to push that on somebody else. And I was thinking about it. It's like, what other aspects of our lives could we apply that sort of thing to? Because it's it's not just about celibacy. It's about other personal choices that we might make for our moral lives. You know, some people might really frown on uh, certain things you eat or drink or uh, things you wear. I have in my notes, and I was going to ask you guys this one on but could it have the other meaning as far as, you know, if you want to be a minister, a pastor, because I look at it, how it describes Unix is, you know what, you can be born this way. Mm-hmm. 
it can be thrust upon you because if you look at like Unix, it was done to if 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 a country lost a battle, they would take men and that's what they would do. They would make them slaves and they make them Unix. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or you know what? It could be a personal choice. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I kind of look at that is you know could that be even like serving God? You know, yeah. some people. That's how some I people, took it. Yeah, you know, some people like say pastors. You know, from from birth. That's kind of was their calling. Other people was thrust upon it by maybe their journey in life. But it still comes down to he who was able to accept it. Mm-hmm. Let him accept it. Mm-hmm. These are some of these things are things that are not specifically spelled out in God's law, but it's just it's what you need to do. And, you know, you think about back with well, me. might have been last week, week before. I don't remember. But he told the one man. You need to go sell everything, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Well, that that doesn't hold true for every single one of us. Some of us, that might be what we would need to do, is get rid of all personal possessions to be able to follow Jesus. And then others, it's like, well, no, my 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 wealth is something that I can use to to benefit people, and it helps me to enjoy my life, and I am still able to follow Jesus. And so, so you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. So each of us have different weaknesses, and each of us have different strengths. And so if, we, if we're if we going to try to equate ourselves with each other, well, then we have a, a, then we have a merry band of, of uniform Christians marching through the world, all doing things the same way. That's not useful. That's yeah. not useful. So if I if I have a predilection to one type of sin but not another, if I'm smart, I'll operate within my strengths. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna walk through the earth trying to be God's hands and feet, I'm not gonna do it in my weaknesses. That would be dumb. Because mm-hmm. you this that's where the devil is gonna stand up and try and poke you down into the ditch where he can can say, Oh, look, she fell, he fell. Look what they did wrong. That's mm-hmm. not God's child. You know, yeah. if I'm smart, I'm going to be a steward of my weaknesses just as much as I am of my strengths, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have to evaluate your own life on some of these things. And you cannot put everything that you need in your life onto somebody else. And, you know, some of these other things I think about is things like, I don't know, abstaining from alcohol. Some people absolutely should stay away from alcohol. Maybe you have a family precedence for alcoholism. Uh, maybe you find that you simply can't handle it. Um, and then there's others who can, you know, they can have a beer and be like, good, I'm fine. I'm done. You know, and because some will try to tell you the Bible says you absolutely should not drink alcohol. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't read that. I just, I, I don't. If you disagree with me, by all means, write in on, <laughs> write, write into to the, to our email. Here, and, here we go with the plug. Tell them they're going to get a mug. <laughs> Well, by now the mugs are supposed to be gone, but we'll see. <laughs> but you know, um, I just I don't I don't see that as an absolute for every single person, you know, because there's other things about what you should wear to church, um, different ways you should eat, all these things, and and are they absolutes for every single person? Some things yes, some things no. And you have to evaluate for your life what work what what works in your life, what's good for you, what's good for your family, because it's not the same for every single person. And so it's a this whole thing is one it's a big lesson on living within the kingdom. 
um, and and the in individualities, our thought processes don't think about your relationship with God as a set of rules that you you know you have to follow exactly this way and there's no other way and that there's you know don't be looking for the loopholes and understand that things that aren't specifically spelled out by God they're not all good for everybody you know so you have to do this some of this stuff individually all right, with that, I think I'm going to call our time for this week. Uh, next week, we will be continuing on in Matthew chapter 20. We will be looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Uh, we will be looking at a section in verses 20 through 28 of that chapter where Jesus um, has to talk to uh, an attitude about greatness to, work to his uh, disciples. So check out Matthew 20. And while you're reading that and waiting for us, remember you can reach out to us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org, especially if you disagree with me. You probably disagree with me on some things. That's okay. Well, that's it. I'm emailing. Mm. <laughs> so attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Check us out on Facebook. We got it back. We'll all be trying to be a better presence there than I have been in the last couple of months. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so we can get you in your feed each and every week. Share the podcast with your friends and family. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening.